live in Summerlin. It's Cofield and Company from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. All right, here we go on Wednesday. Rampart is the site, Sportsbook. You heard it. You heard it. We're set up right by the bar. We got afternoon baseball. We're tracking, getting ready for the evening baseball. All the lines are up for week two in the NFL, week three in college football. Later on, we'll talk to uh, gambling experts, guy behind the counter, and Dwayne Colucci, guy who walks up to the counter, our buddy from SportsGrid uh, Radio, Brian Blessing. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Come over to the sportsbook. We got some prizes, some T-shirts to give away, including a uh, four-pack of UNLV tickets for the game this weekend against Iowa State. Uh, when you come out to Rampart, you got a... Um, Food and drink specials, including $2 draft beers, $4 cocktails, $15 buckets of beer during the games. You put a parlay card wager bet in, 50 bucks or more. You get a coupon at the deli, free chicken fingers, hamburger, or hot dogs and fries. All right, Ari, let's do it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So what's going on? Busy last couple days. We'll get to the Raiders injuries here in a couple minutes. Slamming and jamming. Football's here. Yeah, it, it actually, it's something I was I was just thinking about on the drive over of like, man, you prepare for the season and prepare for the season. And it, kind of in your mind, you're like, well, once the season starts, it's all just kind of smooth sailing. It's all smooth. <laughs> it's never the case. There's yeah. always, there's always like every day in the NFL, there's something going on. So Crazy. Yeah, always something with the Raiders and uh, always something new. Yeah, what a weird week. Uh, Monday starts out with the Raiders getting this great upset victory, dramatic fashion. And then as the week moves along, we're like, yeah, this guy's out, this guy's out. Terrible story here, terrible story there. So. Like I said, we'll get you updated here in a couple of minutes. Uh, basketball is right around the corner. College basketball is closer than you think. About eight weeks away from the beginning of the UNLV run Rebel season, they got a new coach in Kevin Kruger who played uh, under his dad uh, in town here at UNLV, and they've got ten transfers in. I like their squad. We're going to find out early because yeah. they just released a non-con schedule. It all kicks off, uh, kicks off on November 10th, a Wednesday. Gardner-Webb's in town, and then right after that, Pac-12. You remember they had all these Pac-12 games scheduled uh, last year, and they had to dump out of most of the non-con. So Cal is in town on the 13th of November. That actually happens to be a double dip. Hawaii UNLV football is in the afternoon. Then the evening is Cal and UNLV basketball. Uh, then North Dakota State. And then the first of two top ten teams that will be in town to take on the Rebels. They're going to play Michigan at T-Mobile on the 19th. They're going to take on UCLA eight days later. At the Thomas and Mac. So, you see, he's got everyone back. Michigan yeah. has a lot of their guys back and then retooled with more transfers. And then some of the other games on the schedule include in Dallas at SMU, at San Fran. Uh, December, they're always kind of scrambling to find games. Bunch of home games there. Technically, two of them, not really at home, but in town at Mandalay, which is a bit of a surprise. That's going to be Seattle and Hartford. Then Omaha and San Diego at the Thomas and Mac to close out the year. And then the opener. For the conference, January 1st, eh, decent game, hmm. right? No pressure. San Diego State. Yeah. So Quick start. It's almost here, and I know you love college basketball probably more than I do. It's the best. Very intriguing season on the way, and uh, the Mountain West actually has a lot of experience back. So very deep again. It will not be easy for UNLV to you know, strive to make some sort of run at the postseason, maybe get a top-four finish. Uh, there's some good experienced teams returning. It schedules out all over the place. I was actually just laughing uh, because – you know, the official schedule came out for the Big 12, and I saw all the Texas Tech fans like, oh, yeah, Chris Beard, all right, revenge spot, let's go. And I was like, oh, really? You get angry when the coach leaves, huh? Funny how oh, it turns around, huh? Really? Interesting. Yeah. Good good luck on the revenge spot, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I Texas Tech actually has a good team. His assistant stepped up, Mark Adams. 
Um, but Beard went out, and between him and uh, freaking uh, the must bus, Muscleman, the battle on the transfer market is out of control. <laughs> it's so, I don't know how they get it done, getting so many guys. I wonder. Um, recruiters. They are great recruiters. Raiders, good news first. Max Crosby, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. I wouldn't have picked that before the week. I knew he was going to have a big role, but, man, he was a freaking monster and took advantage of the fact that uh, Alejandro Villanueva, the right tackle, formerly a left tackle, is still adjusting to the right side for the Ravens. Now, Max came in and, and talked about a bunch of different things. We'll play him in two different parts of the program, but uh, here he talks about, yeah, the defense was good, but there's room for improvement. Yeah, you know, that's that's something we've we've struggled in, you know, struggled with in the past, uh, getting off the field on third downs, uh, things of that nature. So, you know, obviously seeing it week one, that was awesome to see, but, you know, it's got a consistency is everything. You know, it's one game. Uh, we got to bring it, uh, bring it this week. And uh, do the same thing, but it'd be even better. You know, our, our effort was good, but it could it could be great. You know, that's there's always room for growth in every area. So, you know, it's a good start, but we you know we just got to keep going. Yeah, I think if you're the Raiders, you you like that he's saying the right things about he's not coming out and saying, yeah, I dominated, I was great, we crushed it, we're amazing. Uh, it's hey, it's a good start, and they've had good starts. Like, you know, it was weather related, but they had a great game against Cleveland last year. Doesn't mean the defense was great. Right. You couldn't come out after that game and be like, hey, we're awesome. And they still gave up a lot of points. Now, listen, there's reasons. Baltimore's really good offense, uh, all those things. But there is room for improvement. They can't get better, and I think they understand that. Does he have any ties to the Steelers, any sort of recollection of Steelers' past? Does this mean anything to him? Did he uh, talk about it? He he did talk about it a little bit, just you know what, what they mean. His best friend uh, growing up is a huge Steelers fan. Okay, fire the sorry. Yeah, so it's funny. My, uh, my best friend growing up, uh, Nelson, he uh, – <laughs> He was a diehard, he still is a diehard Steeler fan. So we used to go to Buffalo Wild Wings in, in, in Grapevine, Texas, every single Sunday and watch the football games. And he would have his Troy Polamalu jersey on, and he would always talk about Big Ben and the Steelers and ball, like, constantly. And his dad is also a diehard Steelers fan. So um, I grew up hearing about the Steelers all the time. Uh, you know, they're a legendary, legendary organization. You know, they've, they've done it the right way for numerous years. Um, and it's exciting, you know, going to Pittsburgh. I've never, never been there in my life. So really looking forward to it. Um, it's got a lot of tradition. I'm excited to go there and, you know, put on a show. There you go. Good show. Respect. I'm sure his friend and his dad are very cool, but I'm also sure his dad is, uh, his friend's dad, is probably around my age and jumped on the Steelers bandwagon. Sure. As so many New Jersey, New York people did, so many other people around the country. So... We all, we all know people who are in their 50s who are not from Dallas or Pittsburgh but are Dallas and Pittsburgh fans, and their kids are now. So well, I'm not going to go on my rant about how annoying that is, but they, they are what they are. It's incredibly annoying, but isn't there a little bit of an excuse built in that he's referring to being in Dallas, right? And the Ooh. dad of the friend was a Steelers fan. Kind of interesting. We can, uh, I mean, I, he could have go been from Pittsburgh. The, go against the grain. He could be from Pittsburgh. You're right. Or I anywhere else. Facts. I don't know all the facts. Uh, but maybe he just said, hey, running around, he's a Cowboys fan. I'm going to be a Steelers fan. That would be a little bit more acceptable to me. I just assume every Steeler fan that I see outside of Pittsburgh isn't actually from Pittsburgh. Sure. I'm sure uh, there are many. And we have a lot of Pittsburghers, Pittsburghians. I, I did. Pittsburghites. What are they called? Uh, Pittsburghers, I bet you. Pittsburghers. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, Sounds you, tasty. you know what people from Michigan are? Michiganders. Yeah, you're right. That's I got good. that one. Yeah. I once in a while I get it right. Yeah, There's still a little bit left. Still uh, a little bit left. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, one of the things I – well, I know. One of the things I followed – I followed up with him and said, 
Well, who's who's Hunter cheering for this week? Right? It's your boy. Yeah. He didn't know. Oh no. <laughs> He's like, I mean, I think he wants me to do well, but the Steelers to win. It's funny. I'm sure when people first listen to us, they're like, "Why are these guys so like bitter and nasty when it comes to NFL teams outside the market?" Because we are. There's a jealousy because I don't root for a winning team. But, yeah, I have a healthy dislike of many teams. If if I don't, then it means you mean nothing. But there's a lot of NFL cities and fans I don't like. It's not even just NFL. And I also have a a problem with – it's not just NFL. You're right. I have a problem with teams – with people cheering for teams that win, too. Uh, And and I did it myself. Like, my whole life, and I've talked about, like, the reasons why, but I was a Giants and a Tigers fan in baseball. And then when the Giants won the World Series, I'm like, I'm out. Like, I'm I'm not – I'm done. Now they're too good. Yeah, like, you don't want to cheer it's for no it. no fun. You cheer for a good team? Like, yeah. how easy is that? The Yankees have been really fun this century. They've been good, but, you know, frustratingly just short, yeah. winning one time. I jump off. And, like, hey, this year. Woo-hoo, Yankee fans. It's been fun to watch the Giants this year, but, like, I'm not I'm not getting over it, carried away. It's too, like, when you win every day, what, what is that? Why are you a fan of that? Man, real life hit you right in the face yesterday with the Raiders and the injuries. For different reasons, Gerald McCoy and Denzel Good are really good stories. They're not feeling good right now. So, Good is down for the season with an ACL. And now McCoy, who, like, quickly became one of your favorite guys on the team to cover, all he did was talk about how lucky he was, and he's so grateful. And then the poor guy gets hurt. Unreal. Yeah. It, it, I mean, listen, from a selfish perspective, it sucks we're not going to have Joe McCoy to, to have uh, interviews with anymore. Uh, but, yeah, you just feel for him as a person who went through so much just to get back to this point. He wanted to play so badly after being hurt last year. Missing the full season, rehabbing like crazy of from like the worst injuries you could have. Like, ah, oh, I got to get back on that field. And then, of course, you know, being down for the year, that, it just sucks. It's terrible. We'll build on especially the McCoy point because they do have a lot of depth on the defensive line, and it gives guys a second chance who I think people were writing off last week, which was absurd. Mariota, what's the deal? I mean, listen, they said that he re-aggravated the quad injury. The, 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 which, by the, the way, is that injury. not incredible? They They – we, it was like one of the early themes for like two days of Raiders camp. Mariota package, Mariota package. Derek Carr's like, oh, my God, he's so fast. They run the Mariota package. He gets 31 yards and freaking tweaks it. Un- unreal. It's still it's still a weird one, though, because you watch the play. He gets up. He was walking fine, except for the fact that he doesn't know where he is. He's dazed. He he looks like he he demonstrated all of the all of the effects that you would imagine from a concussion. But they said the injury was to his leg, which he was walking fine. Maybe he got concussed and didn't remember that he was hurt and didn't limp. His body didn't know to limp. But it, it was a very weird scenario to come out of that. The other really big one is what's the condition of Unique Ngakwe? Yeah, I mean, they, when I say they, John Gruden was talking about it publicly like it could be potentially serious and long term. Practice report comes out today, he's limited. Okay. So. That could be anything. By the way, you know, they just lost two guys to IR for the season. You just mentioned Joe McCoy. Limited in practice today, I believe. Uh, so, so yeah, now he's, now he's on IR, so he's out for the season. But, um, yeah, it's kind of weird that uh, that there, there's no real clarity where his injury is right now. And I'm sure later in the week, well, we will get an, an answer at least on Friday. We get an injury designation uh, for Yannick Ngakwe. But it, it definitely sounded... Like, there was a lot of pessimism, but the injury report would reveal maybe there's not as much pessimism as we thought. 30 minutes from now, we'll go through uh, an early look. Really not, because uh, Thursday Night Football is coming up. But another look at the uh, line so far on the movement around the National Football League with uh, gambling expert.
Brian Blessing, but about five minutes away, we'll bring in our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. You know, there was a lot going on inside the stadium for the first game with the Raiders, but there was a lot going outside. There was a protest about the fully vac status that the Raiders are asking for. There were people getting shots outside. We'll get the reaction from our legal insider and former public servant and native Las Vegas, Justin Watkins. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. Just getting started here live at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. It's time to talk to our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, former public servant Justin Watkins is here with us. Just want to get your impressions of the Raiders win on Monday Night Football. Really good for the market, really good for the city. Cool to see the stadium jam-packed. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good first game to get the community excited. I mean, I'm a Chargers fan. I don't like the Raiders, but even I at the end was kind of like, I hope they pull this out. I mean, it was a little bit of an S show down the stretch there about like a kicker on, a kicker off. I'm going to throw the pick. I mean, it looked like it was going to be, you know, the Raiders doing the Raiders uh, or doing their greatest impression of the Jets or my brother went to Wazoo, Washington State, and as they like to say it, Cougat. They were trying <laughs> to Cougat at the end there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, ultimately, yeah, I was glad they won. I thought it was a great showing nationally uh, on the stadium, on the team, on Vegas. And so, yeah, I was happy to see it all. So I was heading over to uh, our Monday Night Football party. We do it across town, uh, at least from, from where I live, uh, in Henderson, Vegas border there, uh, Twin Peaks on Eastern. So uh, that was probably, I don't know, 2.15. I was driving by the stadium, and I saw a bunch of people out there with American flags, and it looked like some sort of protest. I thought it was like a union thing or something. And it turns out it was actually the uh, group saying, we won't comply to the Raiders' fully vaxxed policy of getting into the game. Now, you could go to the game – if you went and got a shot, uh, just under 300 people actually did get vaccinated. Then they went in. They had to wear a mask. What do you think about that policy? Because, again, we're, we're putting ushers in a weird position now. They kind of have to police 300 people amongst, you know, 61,000. I mean, the good news is they did get almost 300 people a first shot. Yeah, so this is where the intersection between policy and politics and practicality all sort of come into play for me. First off... Not only did they have to wear a mask, but they had to wear a wrist bracelet yes. so that the ushers could identify who needed to be wearing a mask. Okay, you got 61,000 people and 287 <laughs> of them right. are the ones you're supposed to pick out. Is that really practical? It's not. We understand it's not. The question for me would be understanding that it's a little bit of a impossibility to actually enforce. Does the policy create more good than that potential bad? And I saw reports that that pop-up vaccination site over the course of the weekend, and since they set it up, and since the Raiders instituted this policy, had done more than 5,000 vaccinations. Mm. And, and from a perspective standpoint, the whole state of Nevada right now is doing about 2,500 vaccinations a day, somewhere between 2,500 and 3,500, depending on the day. So that's a, that's a big number. 
The Raiders instituting this policy, I think, had a real substantial effect on the vaccination efforts. And so, yes, logically, it doesn't flow that somebody who just got a shot could go into the game and it is safe for everybody. But it's creating more good than bad from a policy standpoint. I say to win. I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad they're taking a stand. I wish the Golden Knights were doing the same thing, but they're not. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I guess I guess from the perspective of the Golden Knights, they're like, hey, we've done the mask thing. We know how it works. We did it. There was no major outbreaks at the end of last season. We had a full house. We're just going to do it. From my perspective, though, as a fan, as a season ticket holder, I wanted to do it so I don't have to wear a mask and so we could be loud again because – with the mask and not the mask and the ushers coming down and like, Hey, put the mask up, put the mask up. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, silently. I'm eating popcorn though. Right. I got to keep the mask down because I'm eating popcorn. It's just a little bit of a nuisance. We're not as good as we're not as loud as fans. And then like, lastly, I would really like to know that when I go to a game that basically everybody's vaccinated, that's awesome. You know, that's going to provide a level of comfort for me going to a game. Now, is it going to stop me from going to the game? Nope, it's not. I'm still going to go. But I, I wish their policy was like the Raiders, number one, because I think it's a good community partnership. I think it's better for the fans. I think it's better for the overall experience. I think it's better for the home ice advantage. I, I, I think that that's what we look for the community partners to do, is to lead a little bit. And I'm, I'm proud of the Raiders for doing what they're doing. You know, in a sneaky way, the Golden Knights actually can make a, a lot more money from concessions. Because if I go and I don't want to wear a mask, I will have something in front of me that I'm drinking or eating for the entirety of the game. And I actually talked to to some people who went to the first UNLV game against Eastern Washington, and their observation was the crowd that was there, some of them were were very, very drunk because they didn't want to wear a mask. So they were like, beer, 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 beer. Uh, The Knights can actually make a bunch of money off concessions because the only way to have the mask off, you know, legitimately is to have food and drink in front of you. Well, and mask sales, right? You get the official partnership or the official logoed mask. You can get it at the stadium. So they're selling all these Golden Knight masks. You got the one that matches your jersey. So, yeah, they can sell some some of that, and they can make some money off of that. That's true. I mean, my go-to move is I get the big tub of popcorn. I don't even like popcorn. I don't want it in my teeth, but it's the easiest thing in the world to hold the popcorn. And every few seconds, I throw a kernel of popcorn in. I get to keep my mask down, and I can yell, and I can be heard. That's my move. Uh, is Governor Sisolak going to be sued again by someone for signing an emergency regulation yesterday when it comes to uh, some Nevada employees? I mean, the, the, so the the board uh, approved on a 4-0 to zero vote that basically said, we are going to require uh, vaccination of any employees who are working at a state-operated institution that is helping the elderly or the vulnerable, right? That's the purpose of the state route, state-run or state-funded nursing homes. We're talking about, I would, I would imagine this applies to mental health facilities, anybody with a vulnerable population, children. Of course, I applaud it. Is it going to mean it's the right move? Um, they're on solid legal footing. Does that mean he won't be sued? He probably will be sued. He'll be sued no matter whether he does it or not. If he's sued, the suit will not 
be successful. I mean, we've talked about this, you know, dozens of times now. The legal precedent is absolutely 100 on this side. 5709000 is the number for Battleborn Injury Lawyers. We're talking about uh, some of the local issues. Uh, again, trying to make decisions from policymakers and, uh, you know, decision makers up and down the strip and talking about some of the issues around unvax, vax, policies, uh, access, mask, no mask. I feel like it's really a no-win situation because now we just lost a big convention. NAB was here, I think starting November 9th. Uh, they pulled out. They'll probably be back in uh, April of next year. But, you know, that's tens of thousands of people in town. And they didn't really say exactly why they pulled out. But basically, it was a safety issue. And I guess a couple of the big uh, vendors said, we, we just can't put our employees in harm's way. So I, I don't know if it had to do with, you know, they had to be fully vaxxed or they didn't think it was safe enough. But it's such a freaking bummer. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't think that this had anything to do with any policies. You can run a convention and require masks. Or you can run a convention and require everybody to be vaccinated, just like the sporting venues. And so they can make their choice. Ultimately, I think they canceled because the biggest event, the vendors, Sony and Canon, had already dropped out saying, we're basically, we don't want to send employees down there. They didn't say they were going to them because they were or were not vaxxed or because they didn't want to wear masks. I mean, there's a whole host of other issues there, right? Travel and hotel and all of that the policy of the convention center does not apply to. I don't know the internal workings of those organizations, what percentage of their employees are vaccinated or unvaccinated. Did they have employees that were the the main convention goers who were unvaccinated, so they don't want to send them to these places on airplanes and hotels and get them sick and then have them related to work? I mean, I, there could be a whole host of factors, and I doubt that the convention's authorities policy on this had anything to do with it let's take a break here justin watkins is with us on a wednesday we're live at the rampart five seven oh nine thousand is the number at battleborn injury lawyers we got an update on that jeremy roenick lawsuit against nbc when he was fired and also uh varsity blues that whole case where uh rich dirtbags were paying for their kids to get into schools where they didn't deserve to get in uh actually some of these cases they've all been pled out but a couple are actually going to trial Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Company. Justin Watkins, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, is with Cofield and Company as he is Every Wednesday, breaking down legal stories in the world of sports and outside. Very interesting story. We all see this stuff going on, on social media where people get a little out of control and start threatening folks. And a lot of times it's just an anonymous account. Well, apparently there was some guy up in Reno who was sending hundreds of tweets, threatening tweets at different lawmakers around the state, doing it under you know these fake accounts. They actually got him. They, they actually got him here. It was pretty nasty stuff, actually, including going after one of your buddies. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the people that was threatened, although it was not necessarily pointed exactly in his direction, was Steve Yeager at our office. It, it was, you know, all the lawmakers pr- pretty much on his side of the aisle that these threatening text uh, tweets were sent to and DMs. And I mean, they were talking about threatening murder. Uh, you know, watch out for your family. I'm going to come get you. Yep. Uh, and I'll say, you know, when I was up there, you get a ton of crazy stuff sent to your email and they'll find you on Facebook. They'll find you on Twitter, on your social media accounts. 
most of which they think they can get away with with impunity, thinking you're an elected official. I'm allowed to talk to my elected official however I want. But there is a line that does get crossed. Uh, you don't have the right to threaten somebody. You you can be held accountable. This person was They're They're going to see some jail time. And as they should, you know, we have a hard enough time, especially in this state, getting quality people to serve in elected positions. And if we allow those people to be abused verbally, physically or otherwise, the candidate, the pool of viable candidates continues to shrink to the point that we don't really have anybody worthwhile uh, running for these offices. It's a thankless job as it is. It's all but a volunteer job as it is. It's a part time. You have to keep your regular career job as it is. The last thing they needed to be dealing with is worrying about the health and safety of themselves and their family and loved ones. Yeah, Matthew Carter, 46 years old, uh, sent messages with death threats, racial smears, other harassing messages. He was arrested on multiple counts of aggravated stalking and harassment. And uh, one of the messages sent towards uh, Steve Yeager was uh, talking about putting him on a terrorist list. And then when you open the door in the morning, I can kill you legally as a terrorist. Like, okay, all right, nut job. So. Uh, they got him. Let's talk about the you know the danger of speech. I feel like Jeremy Roenick was protected here, but apparently not. Jeremy Roenick, formerly uh, NBC hockey analyst, goes on a podcast. You know, sometimes people get a little looser on podcasts, right, Justin? We do our podcast on Wednesday night. Sometimes you know we get a little looser. Um, but Roenick told it was. I mean, I don't I don't understand this one. If it's factually a true story, he was talking about his partner Catherine Tappan. Uh, not his life partner, but uh, he, he would go on vacation as couples, and he said you know something suggestive about whatever, like a threesome with Catherine Tappan. Well, he wound up getting fired, and he's been you know working on this lawsuit here, and I know there was a development with the judge in June. Something got thrown out, and now Ronick just dropped the whole freaking case. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things that got thrown out a while ago was his allegation that he was being discriminated against based on his sexual preference. As a heterosexual man, he was being treated differently than a homosexual man, and he pointed to Tasha Lipinski and Jeremy Weir of the Olympic figure skating and how they had done a skit that was very sexually suggestive uh, and meant to be funny. And what the judge did is said, that was an agreed upon skit. And what you did is not the same as that. And so since you can't show comparable disparate treatment, you were not discriminated against on throwing that out. So then the remainder of the claim was basically retaliation, wrongful termination. Now he's dropped the case with, you know, asked the court to dismiss his action with prejudice. What can that mean? It could mean that they've reached a settlement, although typically you're going to see a stipulation, meaning the parties agree to dismiss the action and notify the court that there has been some sort of resolution. This is not that, but it doesn't foreclose the option that there is a potential settlement here or resolution or some agreement or what seems to possibly be the case to me in this situation is as the case is moving forward, Comcast NPC saying, okay, Jeremy, our next stage in discovery is going to be producing a lot of documents and taking depositions. Here's what we've got on you. Oh, Here's what we think is relevant to your action. Do you still want to move forward with this case? (laughs) And the answer might have been no. Yeah. I don't. Right. Um, So what does that mean? I mean, emails, texts, 
what have you, right? Oh, they've done, they obviously have done their investigation on their end to come up with what they got. Probably talked to a bunch of employees saying, hey, anybody who's got a text message, let me see it. Anybody's got an email, let me see it. We got to, we got to, you know, we got to do our investigation and see what kind of communication communications jeremy was having across the board and that's what i think is the most likely scenario but it is totally possible that they did reach some sort of settlement or resolution oh my favorite case is back justin watson's you got to break this down the latest development varsity blues this one uh, annoys the crap out of me uh, we talked about it a lot this was uh, rich 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 parents with kids who were uh, not smart enough to go to really good schools paying setting up a whole deal where they faked being athletes they got into schools uh the biggest case was with uh What's her name there? Uh, Aunt Becky and uh, Massimo. Well, they pled out, right? And they're, her, they're one of their dopey kids went to USC and, and then was even on video saying, I don't even care about academics. And it's like, hey, people work really hard to get in these schools and your, your rich parents are paving the way for you to get in. So we got two wealthy dads who are actually going to trial. Like 33 of these parents have already pled out. Um, is this one any different? Do they have a chance here that these guys were trying to get their kids into USC, Harvard, Stanford as fake athletes? Do you understand why they would actually go through the trial process? Yeah, I don't know enough about the discovery process in these particular cases to say why they may be different or why they think that they have a defense. Uh, I'm going to assume that they have good quality legal counsel and that counsel believes there is some viable defense associated with it. Maybe in this situation, they were some form of an athlete and you know, it's not completely made up that this person knows how to, you know, row, for instance, and they wanted to be on the rowing team as opposed to, say, Lori Laughlin's daughter, who's like had nothing to do with it, never participated in the sport, <laughs> faked it, put it on a resume. They did the whole like, you know, they completely fabricated the whole idea behind it. And maybe this one's different. Um, but based on the amount of money that's at stake, based on, you know, that these people have and we're willing to to pay to get their kid into school uh that tells me that they have the kind of money that can get you know really good legal counsel and i have a hard time imagining that if there wasn't a viable defense that legal counsel would tell them to go to a trial where you may end up in well that brings us to a final story you were just talking about representation and money it can make a big difference in cases and i wonder if it made a difference in this one uh one of the guys kevin o'leary from shark tank was in a horrific a boat accident where uh, two of their friends actually passed away in the accident. His wife was driving. Well, she just got off. She was not guilty in this deal. Um, I mean, this is right up your alley. What do you think happened here? I guess they proved there was no malice, but what happened that she got off? So let's keep in mind, this is a criminal action that was brought uh, in Ontario, in Canada, against her for negligently operating uh, a vessel, and so they're claiming that that's criminal in nature. The defense was, no, 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 I didn't do anything wrong. The boat I hit was unlit. It was dark out on the lake. There was no lighting to show this boat. I didn't do anything wrong. The other boat did something wrong. And yes, it's unfortunate that we hit and that, that people died. I certainly didn't want that to happen, but I was operating the boat safely. Obviously, the authorities felt otherwise, but that was their defense. Ultimately, at the end of the day, she wins on that argument. And to your point, you know, they're very well off. They probably had excellent legal representation. That seems like a very viable defense on its face. I don't know the evidence that was presented to say otherwise, 
you know, maybe they had evidence to say, no, this light was on. We could tell by the crash or that it was a full moon out. You should have seen everything. I don't know. You were distracted. You were drunk. You were drinking. You were what have you. Uh, but this is not a civil lawsuit. Now, the families of the people who passed away certainly have a potential claim against both boaters in potential. If, if it, I was representing those families, I'm suing both boat operators and saying somebody did something wrong here. This crash does not happen if everybody's doing everything right. Somebody did something wrong. As a result, my family member died, and you guys figure out who's at fault. All I know is my family member was not at fault. My family member passed away due to somebody else's wrongdoing, and they need to be compensated. And so I, if that hasn't already happened, it, it's likely because one of two things. They were waiting for the criminal process to work itself out so they have the evidence, or number two, they settled quietly off to the side already and said, hey, listen, we don't need this piled on. We don't need you filing a lawsuit while this criminal action is going on. Let's just settle right now. We'll give you a whole bunch of money to sign off and not move forward with any sort of case against us because the criminal cases are singular focus here. Either of those two things are equally as probable. Very sad story. Very sad. Yeah. Much lighter stuff to close. Fantasy football. What happened week one? It looks like uh, one of your running backs underachieved for Green Bay. Uh, and you also went against DeAndre Swift, who got you. And Lamar Jackson outpaced Justin Herbert. Yeah, I know. It's okay. I, I, I like my team. I like where I'm at. You know, uh, <laughs> second to the bottom on week one scoring, but that's okay. Uh, the way that Ooh. league works is waiver priority is always the opposite of the standings. So I'm in good waiver position. Uh, this week, and, you know, I'll turn things around. I'm, well, I'm going to be gonna, fine. I, I, I have a playoff team. I was going to say, good positive. Well, first of all, you lost Adam Hill, so that's depressing. Uh, but uh, positives, Joe Burrow looked really good. Uh, you might have something uh, really good in uh, Jamal Williams as a uh, backup in Detroit. He had a big day. And then you got Hollywood Brown at, like, the very end of the draft. I was looking at him. We're, on, we're in the same league. I was looking at him late, decided to go with someone else, and, and uh, he looked really good. And uh, it's clear. I don't know if it's going to work, but – I think the Ravens are going to have to throw a little more this year with all their injury woes at running back. That's right. And as a number two waiver priority in a league that hasn't allowed any pickups yet, yeah, you got a couple good running backs out there. I'm going to get one of the one of them for sure. Right. I mean, I got my waiver priorities in there. So either Elijah Mitchell, Tyson Williams. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right? Uh, Ari, what? dump this, dump this. He's giving away his uh, his his uh, pickup. <laughs> all right, Justin, have a good day. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. All right. Thanks. Justin Watkins, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. 570-9000 is where you can reach him. Let's turn our attention to wagering on the NFL. We'll look back at week one, overreactions for week two with SiriusXM's Brian Blessing on Cofield and Company. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. Yeah, they're going to be a challenge. They obviously have added Schobert and Melvin Ingram, a couple of really good veteran players to go with T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward. They're well coached. Keith Butler does a great job. And um, we have our work cut out for us on a short week. Hanging at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook, it's Gofield and Company. John Gruden with uh, more than a healthy respect for the opponent. 
this weekend. Interesting bounce back for both teams after pulling off pretty big upsets, emotional victories. Feeling good about themselves. Brian Blessing feeling good about himself. Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM, K-Shop locally. What's up, Brian? Hey, boys. How's it going? Pretty good. How did you do week one? It was a, uh, a day for the books. Well, at times, uh, but also a day for dog betters. Yeah, I mean, a week one in the NFL with some goofy results. Uh, again, the preseason. The teams that did absolutely nothing, nothing in the preseason. Seattle and the Rams look pretty good. So, you know, these teams that are 0-1, they're desperate. And I think, you know, we still make these adjustments. And we'll know who these teams are by week three and week four. But I think there were some skewed results in opening week for sure. Yeah, there always is, right? And, and our favorite thing in the whole world is overreaction to week one and everybody freaking out and oh this team's amazing the saints are clearly winning the super bowl <laughs> uh all these things happen in week one and it's like yeah this is what we're gonna have the whole year yeah no i mean it's, it's all, all this stuff adam and you know listen the the jags they go walking in I, i'm sure you're basking in the glow i was <laughs> too i was a thyrod failure fan sunday uh, trevor lawrence first first overall pick making a, a start as the quarterback position was 0-13 going in, make it 0-14. So, you know, it, it, I said Taylor will win some games, and then, you know, water will find its level. But now all of a sudden, you know, you look at the Houston number, you're like, oh, boy, people think Houston's something. But, and then the Jags are going to their home opener, and that number balloons up to six. I mean, you don't think the Jags are going to be better this week? I do. I'm taking the Jags, but, you know, People are rotting up over the Broncos, so we'll see how good the Broncos are this week. If they're a good team, then you should be able to handle the uh, Jaguars pretty easily. What about your Bills? Uh, did not look good. Are they falling apart here? What's their reaction? Or, uh, you know, the, the ship will be settled this week. With the rose-colored glasses off, and I've been to Joe Robbie Stadium at, when it was called that 14 times in a row, and the Bills have owned these guys down there. And I honestly, winning the game, I don't care about winning the game. If they don't win by 17, something's wrong. Wow. I mean, they outgained Pittsburgh by whatever it was, like 130 yards. They shot themselves in the head so many times it wasn't funny. They turned it over on downs three times, had a block punt against them for the touchdown. They couldn't have played any worse. They were up 10 nothing. Allen did not play well, but the, the villain was Brian Dayball. The play calling was an atrocity. I think they were reading their press clippings. I think they get a kick in the butt, and I, I'd be shocked if they don't go down there and step on their neck. Brian Blessing, you know that, that's yeah, not being a Bills fan either. That is not being a Bills fan. No, no, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with you. Um, I think a lot of times you walk in after week two to the sports book and you look at numbers and you're like, all right, they, they know something. Like they're correcting it for you if you get if you get a little out of line. One of those games is the Colts game, right? The Colts are not facing a big number here against the Rams. But keep in mind, the Colts were also a favorite in the look-ahead line, minus one and a half. Now they're getting four. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, if you want to say one thing, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons. They're 0-1. They're desperate. Rams look good, whatever. They get the win. But Wentz hadn't played a football game in God knows how long. So the guy gets shakes some rust off. They're desperate. Now they're home. And you're telling me, you know, they're catching – Four points? I don't see it. I mean, I personally believe the AFC is significantly better than the NFC, and we'll see how it pans out. How big is the extra time to prep for the Cowboys as they go on the road, which my guess is it'll be 50-50 Cowboy fans in L.A. against the Chargers. 
Do they have the wrong number here? What do you think of this one? Uh, Chargers are three, and it's actually a minus one twenty. I think you you hit a good one there, Steve. In terms of the the crowd, it will absolutely, you know, the Chargers are still growing a fan base there. That will be at fifty fifty at best for the Chargers. I talked about today that the extra resting today. I think that's more of a thing, don't you? In week seven, eight, nine, when teams are worn down, but yes, okay. they do get extra time to prepare. But uh, you know, the other thing to me, I don't think it's a small thing either. You know, the Chargers played a game at Washington, won the game. Good on them; they get out of there. But they get to fly cross country, and Dallas should be fresher. So I think Dallas absolutely should be the side. But how about the total in that game? I mean, what are they thinking here? No punt. We we should point out though, Demarcus Lawrence just got hurt. He's out. He's out for he's out indefinitely with a broken bone in his foot, and of all the units of all the teams in all the league, there was not a more impressive one than the Chargers' offensive line. You go back and look what they did last week. My goodness, Rashawn Slater, it's pretty good MVP as an <laughs> offensive pretty... lineman. He's he steps in. He's he's the best player I've seen. I saw all week. Uh, that was incredible. So that's going to be a tough matchup for the Cowboys. To get any kind of pressure. And Ryan, the one or, thing about yeah. that game, I would just give Herbert full marks. I mean. Heineke came in and gave them a spark, and they literally had it set up to win the game. They pinned them deep, and on the last drive, three times on third and really long, Herbert got the first down, and Washington never got the ball back. So, I mean, I give the kid credit on, on that particular aspect of it, but uh, I, this Chargers team is, is interesting. I, I, they could be really, really good. But I, 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 the jury's still out a little bit for me. But I, they have the potential to be real special. College football, Auburn, live dog, plus six, Penn State. Part of me's thinking Penn State is indeed for real here. Okay. And I, I think at home, I think they'll they'll step on them. I think, I think Penn, Penn State is the real deal. Another college game, um... Man, I feel like I'm getting suckered on this one, and maybe it's some Mountain West Conference bias. Fresno's getting 11 and a half against UCLA. I think Fresno's good, and you know, I think UCLA obviously it's a great start for them. All of a sudden, slowly but surely, the weight of expectations are on them, and I I can see Fresno certainly hanging around, and I think the backdoor cover would be in play. The one other one in the Mountain West, Steve, I throw at you that. I find a little bit interesting is Utah State catching eight. Air Force beats Navy, kind of a letdown spot. Teams go up to Air Force at a conference and have a problem. But the Mountain West teams are accustomed to going up there, playing at altitude. Nice. I think it's a letdown spot for Navy. I think Utah State catching eight's worth looking at. He's on Sirius XM Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio. Brian Blessing is up on Cofield and Company now. We like talking gambling and hockey with Brian and golf, and we'll get to a little golf coming up. But we also care about you. You're a friend, um, and I heard Uh-oh. you had some wallet. It's, it's a I heard bad, you. It's a bad setup. <laughs> I, I, now I heard you had some wallet issues. What's going on here? Well, nothing. I almost killed myself going back <laughs> into the studio off the commercial break. I was just, you know, the commercials winding down. I'm going about, you know, I'm, I got inertia. I mean, you ever walk into the refrigerator? You know how those those things don't move. Oh, yeah. My, my wallet's in my front pocket, and it got the corner of a desk. I think I Ryan Fitzpatrick myself, my hip, my shoulder, my back. I almost killed myself just walking through a door. Oh, I thought you did the Aaron Rodgers double nut shot. No. Who was the, the whack-a-mole? Uh, 
you know, oh, Gus Farad, you know, to do the head oh, yeah. into the wall thing. That's a good idea. So something weird you said in there. The wallet in the front pocket. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Well, well two things. One, you know, if you're, gonna, you're coming after my wallet, I'm going to see you coming after it. Mm-hmm. Two, you don't want the George Costanza wallet. And you're sitting, if you're sitting on your wallet all day, that's not good for your back. There's my public service announcement for the day. Wait, Adam Seinfeld guy, what's the George Costanza wallet? He had. A, you remember the wallet I used to carry? That was Costanza. That's why I don't carry a wallet anymore. It's just a giant. You've got every receipt you've ever had in your entire life <laughs> sticking out of it. Now I just I just carry cash and cards in my pocket. Steve, you never saw that episode. It was like it was like the movie was the Life of Brian when the guy, the big fat guy, ate the mint and exploded uh, after dinner. Yeah. Uh, George Costanza. You know, put the little tiniest receipt in his wallet, and it exploded all over the place. It was the final straw. Okay, I get it. I get it. Well, I got to tell you, uh, it's been coming for me for a while, the final straw with these American golfers, these country club snot bags, uh, more than a few of them. Brian, I already put – It's more. this is more heart than uh, head. I already bet the Euros, plus 215. Now, it's a three-way bet, so it's a little bit dangerous. I think the tie is like 11-1. to 1. Uh, USA is minus 200 in the Ryder Cup. Should they be? Well, yeah, I believe so. And I mean, the money to be made in there is the matchup, Steve. You know, you pick your spot. That's where you make money. You don't have to bet the, the overall thing. The one thing, the Solheim Cup was just played, the women's version of the Ryder Cup in Toledo. And it was a zoo. I mean, they really supported it. But there were no European fans there because of the pandemic and the restrictions. Wow. So I don't know. I don't know what kind of support Europe's going to get. They canceled this event last year. They could have played it, but they didn't want to play it because it's not the same thing without fans. I just don't know that the European fans are going to be as vocal as they usually are. That's why I talked to Brian about golf. I don't know why I bet before I talked to him. That's a good point because uh, we know the, the Americans sometimes get a little riled up by you know some change in a pocket or a blade of grass moving. Oh, and this stuff's great. I mean, these guys, you know, they're sitting there, you know, with a $2 million putt, and they don't bat an eye. These guys' knees are buckling in the Ryder Cup. I mean, it's because it's so not awesome. an individual thing. They're yep. representing their country. They don't want to let their team down. And, during, like I said, during normal tournaments, uh, no one's allowed to make any noise. Ryder Cup, it's all, all hell breaks loose. It's basically, what's the hole on the freaking waste management in Phoenix? It's like every hole is like that, the stadium hole. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the, the, there'll be some cool things. We can talk about it when we get closer to it. Yeah, but yeah. a kid like Victor Hovland, you know, he's really close to – winning a lot of big events but he always has the one snowman you know he has one blow-up hole but that doesn't mean anything in the Ryder Cup so Victor Hovland's probably going to be a dog in his matchup he has the one bad hole so what go to the next tee you know I mean so there'll be plus prices all over the place that are worth looking at Brian what's coming up for you uh, next week or so any road shows parties anything going on over at the Superbook doing the shows tomorrow kind of set the table for you guys Sunday morning uh, for Jay Cornegay and the gang over at Football Central. So we'll be over at the Superbook tomorrow. Anybody wants to swing by, I'll have Kenny White Sports Power Ratings magazines, college and NFL, and I'll have some Mark Lawrence magazines. Anybody wants to come by tomorrow. Nice. Thank you, Brian. We'll talk to you. Always a pleasure, fellas. Congrats on Tyrod there, Adam. Feels good, doesn't it? For Bills fans, it feels good. I don't, I don't think we're going to last more than a week with Tyrod as an MVP candidate <laughs> and Josh Allen as one of the worst players in the league. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, real quick on the, the whole golf thing. First of all, I'm essentially doing what those uh, schmucks were doing uh, to Team USA Basketball where they're like, you know, and, and women's soccer. Uh, woke. Not going to root for them. Uh, except that may be a bit. This is real. 
you know I've been talking about some of the snots, the country club U.S. guys. And it happened again yesterday. Did you see Did you see Kepka talking about the fact he's like, well, I'm in the team thing. And, you know, I do my job, and then i got to worry about other guys doing their job. <laughs> and he's like, he's like I, I, I get to decompress, and I get a lot of naps during regular, regular tournaments. You don't get to do that during the Ryder Cup. Yeah, you got to be here. Meetings here. You got to watch here. I'm like, did you, dude? Uh, what are you talking? You need naps. What was the accent you were just the Ryder Ryder Cup? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know where Kepka from. Is he Florida? I don't. I, don't know I, what I you lost were doing. it there. Ryder Ryder. I listen. Well, I what think... I heard. What I heard him say. We get normally. I nap. Uh, I get to jog a little bit. There's breaks. Like, what are you nuts? I'm gonna say if you get used to naps, <laughs> it is tough to break your routine. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind.